so much and oh he's ready for you in 2022 Agape, oh, <laughs> he was talking to me a lot these days i am amazed by the lord the god the way he loves us he was talking to me a lot about you his children and about his church of course he does that's all he does about me all the time but it was at another level hallelujah I want to thank God for that, you know. You know, we, I appreciate and marvel at what the thing, this structure that God called the church. You know, he calls his servants. My mission and my duty is to pray for you because as a servant of God, my responsibility is to, to be a representative of God on your behalf. And God gives me the messages that are supposed to be sent to the people. And he gives me the burden to pray for the people. While he gives the people the burden to pray for their servant, the men of God. It's a, it's a, it's a, what do you call it? It's a, it's a symbiotic relationship. Mm. <laughs> Hallelujah. So yeah, it was just it was just one of those moments this morning. I was like, oh, it was pouring, pouring after pouring, and he kept on telling me, yeah, 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 it's amazing. It's beautiful to be in his presence. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's scary to be a servant of God. It's scary to be a messenger of God because you have to carry his message to his people. So yes, we want to thank God, but what a joy it is to hear your voices again, people of God. I want to thank you, and we thank God, we do bless God that he has allowed us to see yet another Christmas. Today is the 26th, which means yesterday was the 25th, we celebrated Christmas. I'm sure you all had fun, you all had joy, you all had, you celebrated Christmas in your own special way, amen? And I have no doubt that my God was with you as he is with you even now. You see, it's okay for the servants who are going to say, my God. That's why the man of God Paul says, my God, <laughs> when we are talking to the church in, 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 in uh, Ephesus and Philippians, says, my God shall reward you <laughs> according to his riches in glory because he's appeared to him. So he is God, the God of Israel, the God of Jacob, the God of so and so. Why? Because that God, the God, is the same God. He's not a different God, but he just he has appeared to this one. So, for the, the people that he puts to be under him, they have to recognize that they are the servant of God who was sent for us on our behalf. God appeared to him on earth, so they call him the servant of God, the God of sorrow. So, I I've never asked God to say the God of my old my soldier, but you know, in other churches, the God, the God of it's not it's not wrong. <laughs> Because the man of God appeared to the man. Even Elisha was calling the God of Elijah. Mm. It doesn't mean that Elijah becomes God. <laughs> Elisha was just recognizing that the God of Israel, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob appeared before my father Elisha. Elijah. Mm. So mm. when Paul said, my God shall reward you and honor you 
even give you blessings and according whatever, according to his abilities and glory by Christ Jesus. When you do things, uh, he honors you through his servants and he honors his servants through you. Like I said, it's a symbiotic relationship. Hallelujah. Amen. It's a beautiful relationship of a family. God is a good God. So, oh, God was talking to me about the church, his people, the family, how we should be family, how we should love one another. Oh, my goodness. It was just amazing. I was just in a beautiful service. So, God bless you. It's amazing to hear the people of God once again. And we are together. We are moving together as his people and as his children. And like I always say, it's the grace of God for me to be called his servant. Even as Paul said, I am not the wealthiest. I'm the, the least of among anyone who could be called an apostle. I say the same thing because God called me after and to be modeled after Paul. So I, just like he said, I am the least of the people to be called apostle. And I utter the same words. So that's why whenever I write something, I always say, yours in his service by his abundant grace. And if you want to know about grace, no one knew about grace more than Paul. Is hmm. the, the one servant of God who wrote more about more about grace than anybody else because that, that was his experience. <laughs> he knew that God picked him when he was not worthy, hmm. so he he could only attribute it to grace. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah! So servants of God talk about the God. Or the way they have experienced him. David, you talk about God as a shepherd because he experienced him in that way. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. So I, I thank God that in this vision we are worshiping a God who is real. Hallelujah. Who appeared to me in the same way biblical president. Because if God calls you seven, he has to make an appearance to him, physical. <laughs> not dreams, not 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 just hearsay, not someone saying, I feel that the Lord is telling me you should do this and this. And I fear God for he has done that, and I fear the God of Israel that he continues to speak to me. Every day he gives me evidence of me as his call, as his chosen one. Why? Because I hear his voice every day. He has never, not one day, as he stopped speaking, speaking to me. Not one day have I not heard his voice. Amen. And equally true, not one day have I not heard the voice of the enemy trying to break me away from him. He always tries. So that shows you that you are still with him. If you want any evidence that God is with you, as he speaks to you, the other guy is trying to, to pull you away. The other guy is trying to say, to, to tell you things, to convince you to move away. You can then you know that God is with me. It's a constant battle. Hallelujah, but we know that he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Thank you. Hallelujah. Our oh, God is a good God. Oh, I'm sorry. It's called box day. Hmm? We don't box each other. Eh? I don't know why they call it boxing day. Does anyone know? Is, it, is, it, is, it, is this where this whole thing of people in Africa saying Christmas box, Christmas book, is that where it comes from? I don't know. Uh, you can tell me later why it is called in boxing day. But anyway, today, by the grace of God, we we want to continue from where we left yesterday. I don't know what I've said so far, where it all came from. I don't know. <laughs> but we want to continue from where we left yesterday. Today we are talking about the man on a mission. Man on a mission. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you, people of God. Um, yesterday, our anchor scripture was Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Yeah, so we left yesterday 
from uh, our anchor scripture which we read was Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 which I'm sure by now we all know as we shared from scripture that the almighty God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob he showed himself to his servant the prophet called Isaiah and he revealed to him things that were to happen over 2,000 years in advance can you imagine over 2,000 years things that were going to happen after his death but the way he spoke about them, he spoke about them as if they had already happened. And like I say, shared with you yesterday and explained to you yesterday, that is because according to the prophet of God and the man of God and the servant of God, Isaiah, those things had already happened because he saw them happening. So what I see happening, as far as I'm concerned, is as a prophet of God, once I see something happening tomorrow or next week or next month or next year for someone, I share it with someone, that person, as if it has already happened. Why? Because it has already happened. When God says yes, nobody can say no. When God says it's a done deal, it's a done deal. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, unto us, a child is born. Isaiah says, unto us a son is given. You know, in, in accountancy and finance, where I come, which is my secular background, uh, by the grace of God, when you bookkeep, as bookkeepers, I know, you know, that's the accountancy profession. We call it bookkeeping. Uh, when you re, when you write entries in the book, we we use we use what is called double entry. You know, debit and credit. Then we balance the books at the end of the year. When you balance the books, each account, as they call them, accounts in the, in the in in the books of uh, of the firm, has got uh, to be balanced off at the end of the year, so that after balancing off at the end of the year, they then prepare um, um, the, the financial statements of the company, which they present it to the board of directors. I mean, which they present to the, the shareholders and so on, and to the government for them. But as the bookkeepers or the accountants prepare the books, when they balance the books, for each account there's something, the, the final balance that appears in the profit and loss account and balance it, uh, appears first in what is called the trial balance. But in the trial balance, they only take the final figures of each account. And the final figure for each account, which is a closing balance, is called balance brought down or balance carried down. <laughs> so when they Continue because they, just because you are closing the year financially for the record for the purpose of the records of the or the books of the company, it doesn't mean that the company is stopping that year. So the company is still continuing. That is in in company terms, a company is called a going concern. It's continuous. So you find that as we close the year, we close the year with some figures which are called in accounting terms balance brought down or balance carried down. Those go into the Closing figure to the final statements of the year. When you start the year next year financially, the same figures which were at the beginning, at the end of the year, appear because you have to start where you left off. So those figures which are called balance carried balance carried down or balance brought down, they come back because what you finished off with is what you start off with. Am I right? Yes. So they come back now as balance carried down or balance carried forward. So I'm doing exactly what the accountants do here. 
Our balance carried down, our balance carried forward is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. <laughs> so can you can you have our balance carried down, please? Or our balance carried forward. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So as we start from that one, I, I just ask you, Church of God, to, um, if you can, which I know you can, uh, in your own time, for the sake of time, I'll ask at you to, I'll ask you to go and look at them, um, those parts which ascribe authority and power to the Lord, our God, whose birthday we were celebrating yesterday. I say to you that those things that are within the child are also within the son. And those things that are listed in that in the lower letter part of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, which has been read, that the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called wonderful. Then there's a comma, then counselor. The mighty God. You see, many people have made mistakes there when they refer to him as the wonderful counselor. They combine those two things as if it's one thing. No, as you can see there, according to scripture, his name shall be called wonderful, comma. It doesn't say wonderful counselor, comma. Just want to teach the church on that. I've said this before, I, I, I want, just want you to notice that. So, he is not the wonderful counselor. Yes, he is. You want to condemn them, combine them. But you need to understand that you, you just address him and approach him and appreciate him as Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> he is the wonderful one. And whenever you think of the word one, it means the person who is called wonderful. He is the one who can do wonders in your life. So don't rush to counseling. You need to cancel, yes, but you you might miss the wonder mm. in the wonderful one. Hallelujah. Amen. Just a passing statement. I just I don't want to concentrate too much on that, but it's balance getting forward. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's balance brought down. He is the counselor when you need advice. You know, this whole idea that oh I'm, I need to go and counsel there is none other than him. He is with you and is in you and he is in the servants of God. If you can't receive counsel directly from you yourself in your prayer, that's why the servants of God are there for. No need for, no need for you to go into so-called professional counsel. And the scripture actually says in the book of Corinthians, don't seek counsel and advice from people who do not know God. <laughs> but you are surprised, you are amazed, you are people. They say, go and seek counsel, then counsel there. And you find that the advice, the so-called advice that you receive, is not biblical. It's ungodly, and it never brings any any healing or or, or the sort of the, uh, things that you desire. People, I have not much experience. People go out there and receive counseling from some other people, so-called professional. They, they, they never get back to a positive healing. Because they make them worse. 
but he's only our healer. That's why the Bible says, by his stripes, by healing. When you go back to him as your counselor, he gives you the right counsel that brings healing. He gives you the right advice. Counselor is as in counsel and advice. He is there. That's why we only have a servant of God in your life. You also go to him. The Bible says, they inquired of the Lord through the servant of God. Hallelujah. He's the mighty God. We talk of, I, I, I was almost uh, going to release something else, but we talk of him as the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of God. What I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, is those things that are listed. I say to you today, the message is made on a mission. Those things that are listed there, whenever you pray, whenever you acknowledge yourself as a son of God, a child of God, when you consider yourself a Christian, someone who follows after Christ, that's where the word Christian comes from, then I'm asking you that when you consider him, either whether you consider him as a child or as a son, whether you consider him, whether, whether you're worshipping him as, as if he was still in a manger or he is on the cross or as if he's, as, as he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. Because different religions emphasize different aspects of him. What I want you to saw, to see and understand is that according to the servant of God, Isaiah, whichever level and state you want to worship him at, he still is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Amen. Whether you look at him as a child in a manger, he is still the wonderful one. He is still the counselor. He is still the mighty God. He is still the everlasting father. He is still the prince of peace. Whether you look at him as the man on the cross and he makes you cry, you know, some people uh, want to cry. So they all want to look at Jesus Christ, Yeshua Mashiach, as the one who is a suffering savior. Yes, he's a suffering servant. And all the time, for them to have some tears on their eyes and they feel really, really grief, when they begin to see the images of him dying on the cross. Yeah. And then when they see all that, and they see they hear him crying, hey, hey, like I said, I cry. and then they become very emotional and they begin to cry. <laughs> Even if you want to worship him in that state, he is still the wonderful one. Hallelujah. Even when he's on the cross, he can still do wonders, ladies and gentlemen. You know what happened when he was on the cross? You know what happened when. When he died, even when he dies, he still wondered. The earth had to shake, the ground had to shake, the, the temple was open, was rent open, was he there? He was there, he was not there. But he is the, ah, somebody say he's the wonderful, he's wonderful. His name is wonderful. My God, my God, my God. This one who was born yesterday, so this child who was being referred to by the servant of God, Isaiah, he is so wonderful. And I don't want you to miss this aspect of him. Wonder, wonder. I want you to go into 2020, 2022, experiencing the wonders in your life when you acknowledge him as the wonderful one. When you acknowledge him as the counselor, when you see the the word wonderful, I think that's where the word wow comes from. In other words, you wow you all the time. Somebody shout hallelujah. You want a God, your God, this child, hallelujah who is born today, who was born yesterday, who maybe, in, according to the world's terms, you could consider him still in the manger. He, they are still there. Because when, you are, when a child is born in hospital, they, don't do, they, are, not, they are not discharged the same day. 
So you can imagine the scenario in Bethlehem right now. People are, Joseph and Mary and the sheep and the goat and the cows and whatever animals were in that manger, in that crop, they are still there and they are busy worshipping him. Hallelujah. Do you realize that, in fact, if you look at the story and the scene in the manger, actually the animal was worshipping before the people. Hey, hey, hey. They were a bit late. <laughs> By the time they arrived, the cows and the goats and the sheep had already started worshiping him. They had already acknowledged him. They had already worshipped within the manger. That's why it was a peaceful manger. The cows and the goats and the sheep that were there were all very peaceful. Because they were in his presence. Hallelujah. I love the Lord of God. I love the word of God. The mighty God. So all I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, this is our balance kept in forward or balance broke down. But don't miss the blessing that is in this. In, in his name, okay? So whichever level of worship you want to take him, because some people want to prefer to worship him as the one who is seated in the right hand of God the Father, and they begin to think, oh, he is only having the power and the authority when you consider him after his resurrection, when you consider him as the one who is seated in the right hand of the God the Father. I don't care whichever way you want to look at him. If you want to look at him as the child in a manger, don't begin to say, ah, so since he's still a child, he needs my help. I cannot worship a child. He is still the father. He is still the one. And whatever state you want to look at him, he is worthy of your worship. He is still the same. He is the same power and authority and awesomeness as he was and as he is in the manger, as he is on the right hand of God the Father right now. Are you with me? Are you hearing me? Somebody shout, Amen. Amen. Our balance broke down. I could go on and on and on. So that's why you feel, I, I told you in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, you have got both Christmas and Passover. And you, it's, a, it's also captured in the song which says, He came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to, to the grave, from the grave to the uh, uh, sky. Lord, I lift your name on earth. You know that song, right? right? He came from heaven to earth. That's Christmas time. <laughs> That's unto us a child is born. From the earth to the grave. That's his death. His crucifixion and death. That's the Passover time. From the grave to the sky. That's his ascension. That's his lordship. He's still the same. No matter which level of godness he is. He is always God. He came from heaven to earth and, and went back to heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father. And as you are doing that, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach Akodesh, is with us. So he remains Emmanuel no matter which way you look at. He is always with us. That's how much God loves us. Hallelujah. As Yeshua Hamashiach sits at the right hand of God the Father, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach Akodesh, is here with us right now. It's amazing. It's the love of God. Man on a mission. So he was born on Christmas Day, as they say, for a reason, a man on a mission, and it is encapsulated in what we read in the book of Matthew. Remember we read in the book of Matthew uh, that the angel explained that his name shall be called Emmanuel. Hallelujah. So, as we appropriate the benefits of uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, uh, God sent him this, as we understand it now, he was sent not just for no reason, he was sent with a mission. And the child that 
child is born. Like I've shared with you before at the conference, that child is the vision. The vision that God had for salvation, for universal suffrage and salvation, is as was all embodied in him. That's why the angel said to Mary, that which you have in your womb is not of brother, it's not of man, it's of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. Which means it was God. It is God. It always will be God. So it was and always will be the mission. So that's why I'm saying he's a man on a mission. When he was sent, this child that was sent by Isaiah, he is a man on a mission. Sent by God. He's on God's mission of salvation to save the world, to save you and me, like I said yesterday. Make sure that you don't get buried in the world. Make sure that you identify yourself as an individual in the world. Otherwise, you miss out. That was the mission. The mission is in the vision. So Yeshua Hamashiach, Jesus the Christ, is the mission, is the vision. And the vision embodies the mission of salvation. So he is the child, he is the vision. And the God the Father himself, as I have said to you before, is the vision giver. And the God blessed this young virgin called Mary to become the vision bearer or called visionary. Hallelujah. I cannot go over that message again. But this is what God was doing when he was born on Christmas Day. He was sent for a reason. He was a man and is always is a man on a mission. Hallelujah. Amen. What was his mission? The main mission, like I said yesterday, is to bridge the gap between the Jews and the Gentiles. Because the Jews were already and are always and will always be his children. He will always love them, no matter what, whether you become jealous of them or not, no matter what the world can say or think about them, it's, it's a fact. It's a reality. He loves his children. They are his children. So, even God began to see that the, the Greeks and the Gentiles, and you and me who were born, some of us were born in Africa, you know, you had never heard of this God, you were worshipping other things, you were doing strange things, you know, you have never been to Israel, you didn't even know that there's everything called Israel. And so God so loved you when you were out there, before you were born. And he says, I, I cannot just have these Jews as my children. I love them, but I want the Jews to be a, a wilder multitude. I want them to be bigger. I want them, my, the nation of Israel to be even bigger. So I'm extending the border to include everyone who is, God, who is called a Gentile. Gentile is a general reference for anyone who is non-Jewish. Hallelujah. Such is the love of God that he says, I have a plan. I'm, I'm sending myself through my son. He's a man on a mission. Salvation. So that through my son, the people who are not Jews shall become Jewish through him. He wants to include us, the Gentiles, into the covenant. Hallelujah. Because the Jewish people are his children by covenant. It's a covenant relationship. And guess what? God cannot break his, his covenant. Once he makes a promise to you, that's why the Bible says the blessing, the anointing of God and the calling of God upon his servants, they are irrevocable. In the book of chapter John, once God puts something, is an anointing and the calling of God upon an individual is a covenant, and God never breaks his covenant. It's a covenant relationship. So whether you like the Jews or not, that's why I fear God. 
I worry about those people who are regarded as anti-Semitists and whatever uh, Semitism there. Uh, I feel for them. I, I'm like, what's wrong with them? Because th there's no point in being jealous of these people. God chose them and they are his people. The only thing you can do is if you can beat them, join them. And God said, okay, I to become Jewish. Hallelujah, somebody. I have a plan for everyone, you and me, brother, to join in this covenant. It's a beautiful covenant. It's an awesome covenant. And God's plan through his son is to include you and me into this awesome covenant. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. So that not only the Jews will become the children of promise, as it is known, and not only those people who are of the line uh, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because it was Isaac who was called the child, the child of promise. So if you're not in his line, you could not be a child of promise too. How God so loved us, ladies and gentlemen. How God so loved us, ladies and gentlemen, that he calls us the children of promise. Hallelujah. You also become a child of promise. Hallelujah. You join the family of Israel. The line of Isaac. The line of Jacob. We also become children of Abraham. In that way, we also become children of Abraham officially. Unless Yeshua, God the Father, had not sent and sent Yeshua Hamashiach, we would still be outsiders. We would still be called foreigners. That's why the man of God called uh, that apostle of Yeshua, how much the gentle. He said, we are no longer strangers. We are no longer foreigners. You know the scripture. Oh, I love the word of God. Where is it coming from? Unto us, a child is born. So how God loved us so that we could all join in the covenant. And guess what? Once you have joined the government, there's nothing that anything or anybody can do about it. Don't continue to think of yourself as someone who was born in Buhera, like myself, or whatever. You grew up in a rural part of South Africa, or whatever. It does not matter. God is through Yeshua Amashiach brought you into the line of the children of promise. And you, 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 yes, you. Me, 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 me. Yes, me. Whether somebody likes it or not is their problem. But God has done it for me. I'm a child of promise, baby. And it's up to you to appropriate this and to say the same thing. As long as you say, Jesus is mine. Jesus is my savior. Day by day. Mine, mine, mine. Yeshua is mine. Mine, mine, mine. Yeshua is mine. Mine, mine, mine. Yeshua is mine. Yeshua is my savior. Day by day. Mine, mine, mine. Yeshua is mine. It's up to you. To appropriate him. It's up to you to deal with him the way you understand him and his desire and his plan to include you into the covenant of Jewishness. So when you see me tomorrow, when you see me any day, ah, I'm sorry, I'm not Zimbabwean. I'm sorry, I'm not British. Yes, I have, I have a British passport. But I'm more than that. I'm Jewish, baby. <laughs> I'm Jewish. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory be to Yeshua Hamashiach. Because I have acknowledged him as mine, my Savior. And through him, 
this child unto us. That's why I said yesterday, don't, don't just be lost in this word us. But make sure that your property and say he's, yesterday, Christmas Day is for you. He was man, he was born for a purpose. He was born on a mission. He's a man on a mission and he will always be a man on a mission. And the mission is not accomplished until, until that day we shall meet with him in the clouds as his bride. Hallelujah. He's a man on a mission. Praise be to the Lord, Yeshua HaMashiach. As we read the stories, you know from the book of Matthew chapter 2, can you go there? Why did God send him? Why did God send him? Went on a mission for salvation. I already told you, I already explained to you why, what his mission is, so that we can all be included in the covenant. We can also become children of God. But there's another reason. He sent him so that the people who did not know how to worship the God, because this gender, us, we did not know how to worship the God. We worshiped the other gods, which we created by on our own hand. Or in some places, some of us were born in Africa and elsewhere, we worship our ancestors, human beings who died. <laughs> our ancestors who were also just as human as you are, but they just because they died. You know, people, the moment someone is, dies or someone is dead, people begin to, 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 to fear that person. Yet God, according to scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, says that should not be the case. Because he even goes on to say, a dead lion, a, 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 a living dog is better than a dead lion. That <laughs> people will fear. But here God is saying, no, you worship me. You Gentiles who do not know how to worship me, you would worship idols. You would worship molten images and all that sort of things. So he knows that, that this thing of worship is in the human being. But they just didn't know how to worship. You remember when the servant of God Paul was preaching somewhere in Greece, in Athens, he said he found people who were worshipping professors, academic people who were intelligent, but they said they were worshipping an unknown God. There's <laughs> something within the human being that God put, which just desires or requires worship. But if people don't know who they worship, they just worship anything. Because that thing which hungers and desires for worship, it's in you. God put it in you from the day you were born. So every creature for your information has got that thing with them, the desire to worship something. Hallelujah. So that's why you find no matter which part of the world you can go, trust me, they, even those who call themselves Ephesians, they lie, they have got something that they worship. There's something that they worship. If you look at their life, there's something that they adore, something that they are, they are worshiping in a, in a, every day of their lives, whether it's money or something. There's something that they set, that little thing which requires worship, it is satisfied somehow. So there's nothing like atheism, as far as I'm concerned. But we thank God that we are not a people who worship an unknown God. Number one, number two, we thank God that we are not a worship. Uh, we are not a people who worship a, a person who is dead, which, which is to me that doesn't make sense. That's what ancestral worship is. That the moment someone dies they, <laughs> for some reason, <laughs> some people begin to think that person has suddenly become God. I don't know. It, it doesn't make sense. So you can imagine that you yourself sitting there, listen to me right now. The day you bury, they bury you. Soon after that, they will, think, they, will, they will think of coming to your grave and worship you. 
they will come to the graveside and say prayers there. Does it make sense? <laughs> and people do that, you know that. So God is seeing all these things and he's like, oh my goodness, these people are hungry for worship. So let me send my son on Christmas day. Let me send my son that was seen by Isaiah unto us a child is given so that these people who are busy worshiping, who are trying to find something to worship, ah, I am the Lord their God, their maker and their creator. They did not know me just like the children of Israel. So therefore, let me send my only begotten son to them. Hallelujah. Yeah. And he came. He's a man on a mission. Not only for salvation, but second reason, the second part of his mission statement is called worship. W-O-R-S-H-I-P. Because God's desire is to be worshipped by man. Hallelujah. So you, if you read in Matthew chapter 2, can you read verses 1 to 2? Matthew chapter 2, from verse 1 to 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Can you read it again, the last part? Okay, just read the verse again. Where it says, uh, the, the last verse. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 2. Saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship. You see, the reason why the, these so-called wise men made that journey. I said, the message today is men on a mission. Point number one of the mission is that salvation. That the whole world could be served through him. That we could become part of the covenant. That is the first part of the mission and the most critical part of the mission. Because unless the most critical part of the mission is fulfilled, you cannot do the second part. Unless you become part of him, unless you, 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 you are accepted into the community of Israel, unless you become part of the covenant of the children of God and the people of God, how can you worship him? You will still be there worshiping something else, worshiping other gods. So once you have managed to satisfy part B of his mission, then you can go into part B. And part B is summarized here, that these so-called wise men, they came from a faraway place. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, they have, they stated again why they came. They said, and we have come to what? Worship him. That is the reason number two, why God said this song. That's the reason why you are a child of God. That's why I like that singer from Zimbabwe. Um, so unfortunately, I was born there. So I tend to think of it, it, it colors my background, my influence. But I used to remember people singing, Mario Agasika Munu, Nemfana Nizo Wake, Kuti Amude, Amuna Mate, Mario Agasika Munu. Nemfana Nizo Wake, Kuti Amude, Agomuna Mate, O Amude, Amude, Kuti Amude, 
I think they had this message somehow. They knew and they were on point, they were right. That when God made human beings and created you and me, he created you and me, we are designed and he created and made it just for one purpose, to belong to him so that we can worship him. Hallelujah, somebody. So these guys knew why they came. They said, we have come. And they stated their mission too. We have come to worship him. So I challenge you, child of God, that when you are there, why you are there, what is your purpose for worshiping? What is your purpose for coming to him? Because if it's to worship him, then nothing else is important to you. Once you acknowledge yourself as a child of God, you know, there are some people, I feel pity for those people who think they can lie to the leaders of the church and they pretend and they say, oh, I wanted to be, uh, I was not well, I was sick, or whatever it is. Yet they just lie in bed and decide not to go to church. Whatever reason you can give yourself for not going to church, unless it's real. But if if anything is more important to you than going to church, if anything is more important to you than worshiping God, then I'm sorry to say you are lost. Because once we have satisfied condition number one, the second thing to satisfy is condition number two, to worship Him. Everything I do, no matter where I am, Hallelujah. Is designed for me to worship him. You see, I want you to know this. That worshiping God has nothing to do with you. Worshiping God has everything to do with him. It's all about him, not about you. The reason why some people begin to fail to worship God is because they connect themselves with you, with him. You are human. He is God. There can never be a time when you are equal or at his level. So you find that some people begin to not worship God because they are not feeling good. It has nothing to do with the way you feel. Some people begin to worship God because things are not going well in their lives. That does not change God. That does not change who he is. Some people begin to, to stop worshiping God because something bad is happening in their lives. Or even they have done something bad. Whether something bad is happening in your life or you have done something bad, that does not change God. He remains God and he still requires you to worship him. Are you with me, church? Amen. God remains God irrespective of your circumstances and your situation, which means you should never ever find a situation where you justify yourself that I cannot worship God because of this and that and that that has happened to me or that happened to other people that affected me. Mm. That is the counsel of the world. But I want you to know that you are made by God, you are chosen by God, so that you can worship him. Why? Because he is the Holy One of Israel. He's your maker and your creator. He's the one who signed the covenant for your salvation. You are a covenant child and he is a covenant-keeping God. So let me help someone who can try to justify themselves and explain and give you some reasons why they are not worshiping God or why they are not going to church. Those reasons are just rubbish, I'm sorry to say. They will never, they will never hold water in, the, in front of God. 
because nothing that happens to you or nothing, nothing that happens around you will change who God is. That's why no matter where I am, no matter what my circumstances are, no matter what situation I am, I worship God always. And those who know me, they know this to be true about me. I worship him because he is God. And I encourage you to do the same. And I, I can assure you, when you do that, you will find that he always is with you, in you, and around you. That's why I thank God that in, because of that, I hear him. He's always talking to me. Because I seek him all the time, no matter what my situation is. Because no situation of mine, no weather in my life will change who he is. So these wise men, they are called wise because they knew they had their purpose. They knew what they were doing. They were going to worship him. So I encourage you, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what else can come your way, always put the worship of God as number one. Hallelujah. Always put him first. Hallelujah. If anything else comes in the way of your worship, if anything else becomes more important than going to church or being in a part of a service, think again. If my brother wants to see me, if they want to talk to me on Christmas Day or on Boxing Day and I have a service, I'll say to them, I'll see you after the service. Why? Because for me, service is more important. Because God, no one, I'm sure you all agree, that no human being, family or not family, brother or sister, mother, whatever, they are not more important or bigger than God. So my, my allegiance is paid to God. And second, to the people around me, my brothers, my my sister, my family, yes, and all the other people, and my work. Because some people even worship their work more than God. They would rather go to work than go to work. <laughs> and the scripture now says there are some people who love mammon, which is money, more than God. They would rather go to work. They would rather take a shift than go to church. So they, they can say to the leaders, I have an excuse. I couldn't come to church because I had a shift. You took the shift yourself. You knew you could have you had a chance to say no. Unless, I know, and we are in this world. There are times and sometimes when your boss says you have to work on that day, you are under duress, that's fine. You know, but even when you are at work, you know some people have said, even when I'm at work, I'll try to connect. That's how they love God. They'll say, I know that my service is happening right now. I'm supposed to be in church, but because I was forced to come to work, I can try to sneak in. I go into the bathroom and even here, connecting the service for 10 minutes, I can hear something that will help me. That is a person who is putting God first. Who knows why they were created to worship him. So I'm saying to you, as we go into 2022, have this attitude of worship. That's the reason why you were, why he came. That's the reason why this child is given unto you. Unto us, a child is born. That's the reason. So you can worship him. And the wise men here were wise because of that. Because they knew what they were doing. Hallelujah. If you also read verse 8. Verse 8. Verse 8. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, Bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. 
Now listen to this. Even Herod, the enemy of God, <laughs> he knew that he has to be worshipped. But you know, from his statement, he says, I may worship him also. The wise men say they want to worship him. But you can know, you can tell who was sincere. Do you think Herod's statement was sincere? Obviously, it was not. But it was truthful. <laughs> he knew that this this child is born has to be worshipped. <laughs> so some people can say they want to worship God, but yet they've got ulterior motives. They've got a hidden agenda. <laughs> but no matter what agenda you have, if you don't worship, we say I'm going to worship God, yet we have another plan. So here, this guy says, oh, please bring me word so that I can also worship. Who told him that he must be worshipped? It means he knew. <laughs> Hallelujah. That, ladies and gentlemen, is mission reason number two. That he must be worshipped. God creates you. God calls you, brings you into the covenant. Once you are in the covenant, the next thing you must do is worship him. Center him. He must be at the center of everything that you do. In the beginning, God, like I taught you. In the beginning, God. Before you go to work, pray. Worship him. Before you do anything, before you start the car, pray, worship him. You don't know what you're going to come across as you drive on the roads. He knows what's ahead, but you don't. Don't just say, ah, I'm, God is with me, I'm going. Don't take him for granted. Pray. In the beginning, God. Before you go to work, you don't know what you're going to face. You don't know what your boss is thinking for you, of you that day. You don't know what, what kind of program. When you pray in the morning before you go to work, maybe you find that uh, when the manager decided to fix you, you know that people can do that. They put all the difficult, the, the tough assignments of the day on you just to, to see you make mistakes. Yeah, some, of you, some of you are nurses, you know what I'm talking about. They will do that. They will deliberately say, okay, this one is a black person. You don't know that the manager is planning your downfall. The manager is planning to put you in this assignment and to put you on this. He's setting a trap or she's setting a trap on you so that you can, you can have a continuous record of making mistakes. So that they remain a mission. Eventually, they want to get you back. But if you pray in the morning before you go, to find that God will cause the manager to change their plan without even realizing, Hallelujah, somebody. In the beginning, God, God put God first. In whatever you do, put Him first. And if you do that, God will bless you. If you take care of yourself into the year 2022 with this attitude, you'll find that 2022 will be a very different year for you than anything else. I pray that you are hearing me. The second reason why he sent his son is so that you can worship him. Hallelujah. That's the reason God sent him. <laughs> Salvation for mankind is explained already. And I shared with you John 3, 16 and 17 yesterday. That is part of part A of his mission. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, as people are worshipping him, he wants the people to worship him. Even the Gentiles who are worshipping other gods, he wants to train them, to teach them to worship him, to worship this God. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, this is very hard and difficult for the Gentiles to worship God. You know why? Because they were not born worshipping God. They were not born to parents who worship God. Unlike the Jews. The Jews, from the day their child is born, guess who they introduce their child to? 
God straight away, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, the child of the Jewish person, he is nobody and nothing else but the God of Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, from the day they are born. Now is the grace of God for Jesus, who is on the to ask people like God to hear a preacher preach to us when I was at secondary school already. Imagine after many years of the devil putting his stuff in me, or after many years of being introduced to ancestral worship, because that's what I was used to seeing in my house, in my home. And I will see that in the whole village, everyone was doing ancestral worship. So you find that people struggle to become Christians very strong because the original foundation was wrong. They were worshipping other gods. So that's why God sends his servant, like he sent Paul to become the apostle to the Gentiles. He was at place to explain scripture to them so that they could understand that these other gods they were worshipping, they are not really God. So you find that the children who are, who are Gentiles struggle to really do worship in Jesus Christ. They want to worship him, they, but they struggle. You know why? Because their background is not of the worshiping of the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, like the Jew, unlike the Jewish. A Jewish person never struggles with anything scriptural. Why? Because from the day they are born, they are introduced to this God, non-stop. Nobody else, no other God. Trust me. That's why you cannot convert a Jewish to become something else. So, well, they use the language of convention. You and me, <laughs> we have to be converted. It's in the epistle, you see it. I'm now, I'm now burying myself in the epistle now a bit. But you see, these things I'm saying now, right now, they are also in the epistle. <coughs> As I'm talking about the part where he says, I'll use my chair. It's a struggle now for the Christians to be strong. To be born again today, they are strong today, next week they are weak, they are strong today. Because they continue to hear other forces that try to pull them away from God, that try to pull them away from their church. And they seem to make sense. But as you know, I've called it sense of rubbish. It's hard. It's the grace of God, ladies and gentlemen. That a young man like me could convert to Christ to worship him. Yet I was only introduced to him. Thank God for me. I, I thank God. Because I, I thank God for his grace because he introduced himself to me when I was young, when I was going to grade one. You know my story. Some of you know. That when I was a grade one pupil, that's why I say to you, I met God before I met a preacher. And it's true. But it's the grace. Not many people are favored that way. God appeared to me, Yeshua Hamashiach himself appeared to me and showed me himself dying on the cross. When I was in grade one, I was even crying because I did not know what this meant. And he appeared to me at that young. So in my spirit, in my heart, he put it already within me from a very young age. But it doesn't happen to everybody. So for most people, for most of you of the world, listen, you will agree with me that this is true. Maybe by the time you came to Christ, you were already married <laughs> with a child, with a wife and a child. <laughs> Maybe by the time you came to Christ or you came to church, you already had a degree. 
or you at the university studying for your degree. Now, the question is, who were you worshipping all these years? Either nobody, or, or you introduced some kind of worship of ancestral spirits, or whatever, but somehow you are satisfying this worship thing in some way. Now you are 18, or 19, or 20, or 25, or 30, whatever age you were, when you are now finally introduced to this God. So that all is not easy. So you have to understand why the people, sometimes they are here, sometimes they are there, but once you have known your God, that's why Daniel says, those that know their God, they shall do exploits. Hallelujah. Once you know this God, once you have received him and you mean it, I tell you, I'll tell you, nothing else is more important than the worship of your God. Nothing else. Everything else is secondary. He is the primary reason why you are there. Maybe he created you in his own image so that you can worship him. Now you know. No matter what age you are, it doesn't matter. But that's why Paul said everything else that I was introduced to before is become done. It's studio. Because he's now known a better thing. Hallelujah. He now knows how to worship God in a more excellent way. Haha. I like this guy. I can't wait to meet with him, Paul. So, we are on mission point number two, that he may be watching. Hallelujah. You know, even in the ancestral realm, people are trying to satisfy this thing of worship. They do it in the world. But Yeshua HaMashiach, God sent his son. We call him Yeshua. He came to love, to heal and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my savior Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives. Mm. Yes, I know. Oh, fear is God. Because I know. Yes, I know. He the future. Now life is worth the living child. Because he is someone who knows why they are worshiping. God sent his son. They called him Yeshua. They called him Emmanuel. That's the Christmas story. Hallelujah. You were raised to worship him. You were raised to worship him. You were called to worship him. You were called to worship him. You came to the church so that you can worship him. Not, not so that you can be bothered by what other people in the church are doing. You came to the church you know that you cannot be distracted by the comments and the views and the thoughts of other people who are misled and misguided. That's not the reason why you came. You came to the church to worship him and to continue to worship him in spite of anyone who can say whatever whether they 
comment about your hairstyle or your shoes or whatever or your family is their problem you that's not the reason you are in the church you came to worship hallelujah you continue to worship hallelujah whatever they say whatever they think whatever may even happen to you whatever circumstances may be happening to you yourself you are here to worship him you come to church to worship him you are in the vision to worship him and to worship him and him alone shall you worship we are only here as brothers and sisters to encourage each other to build each other to get it stronger as we do this thing called worship somebody shout hallelujah worship means reverence honor humility that's why we go before him and we raise our hands it's an it's it's an act of humility it's a, an act of surrender is done in the army that's where it comes from when people are when you are captured by the opposite you are surrender you raise your hand so when you say lord jesus come in my heart and you raise your hands you are saying i'm surrendering everything about me to you that's reverence when you kneel down that's reverence hallelujah you're worshiping you are acknowledging him as the lord of lords and the king of kings you are acknowledging him as master over your life so you kneel down you bow the knee you go on your tummy you go on your belly whatever way you worship him you are worshiping the lord your god whether you just fold your hands and like do they put the they, put, they fold their arm their hands together and they put them close to your mouth and they begin to pray kneeling down whatever posture uh, you have in your mind regarding prayer or worship just worship god in the best way you know how if you want to worship him sitting on a chair the more caribou but the important thing is what where is your mind what what are you concentrating on right now if you want to worship when you are lying in your bed if you want to worship him when you are driving your car to work you can worship him anyway in no matter where you are when you know who you are in Christ Jesus when you know that you are a child of God when you know the reason why you were called by God you know that he called you to worship him you find yourself with a song in your heart when you are driving when you are walking when you are even taking a walk hallelujah it's not just when you are in the shower when you can sing but you sing you worship him wherever you are when you are in the kitchen preparing some cakes or some pudding whatever you are doing preparing dinner in your heart of hearts you will be having a song making melody in my heart making melody in my heart making melody in my heart unto the king of kings worship hallelujah worship involves and includes praise singing and dancing before him it's okay it's the biblical thing hallelujah when we just you don't just sit in silence you don't just sit in quietness he wants to see you move move the limbs move the bodies dance like david dance somebody i would dance i would dance I will dance like David dance, although they don't really dance like David dance. Hallelujah! But it means worship means dance, worship means praise, worship means doing anything that you are acknowledging reverence to Him. Hallelujah! Worship means singing and dancing. Hallelujah! But acknowledging and recognizing Him, this awesomeness, recognize Him. Hallelujah! as your lord and your savior when you recognize him hallelujah as the powerful one the awesome one you are recognizing him in your mind you recognize him 
is the author and finisher of your faith. That's worship, ladies and gentlemen. What is in your heart? What is the attitude of your heart when you go up before him? That's worship. Hallelujah. Third part of what? Worship. You need to understand this. The critical element of worship is offering, giving. Hallelujah. That's a critical part. The way God designed his worship from time immemorial to this day. He decreed and declared even it in law. He said in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 16, you can read the letter at your home. Ecclesiastes chapter 35 verse 4, you can read it at home. Uh, Exodus chapter 20 um, 3 verses 15 and so on and so on. Do not come before the Lord empty-handed. It's because a, a critical and a central part of worshiping God is offering. In those days, they would bring goats and all kinds of animals, sheep and cattle. When you look at the, you just if you want to know the heart of God, the mind of God, just look at how He designed the, the tabernacle during the times of Moses, and how the same size, the same shape, the same structure, the same desire is also was given to David in the form of the the, 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 the pattern of the temple, which was eventually built by Son Solomon. The same design, and what is in, what is a, what are the key elements of that design? It's nothing but based on the whole thing of worship. But when you look at the structure, the doing things, how 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 do we do the worship? The first thing they would have is when you enter the tabernacle, when you enter the temple, you have to bring your animal at the offering table first. He says, "Do not appear before me empty-handed." And here is another thing that I keep teaching. Tell that to a Jewish person. They don't need to tell it. They know already. But tell that to you and me. We pay Karinda Kada. We struggle with this because why? Like I said to you, Takaso Zuzgata are 30 years old. We were told when we were now 30, when we were 20, when we were now a graduate, we are doing your own things. And then we are told that ah, before you go before the Lord, when you approach the throne of grace, you must have an offering. Ah. Here's the funny thing, the contradicting thing. Those who do not worship God, and you know this is true, even the enemy knows that he wants to be offered with a worship, with an offering too. Those who do not worship God, they offer without them realizing that they are offering. That's the thing. That's, that's why the Bible calls you a thief. He takes you from you without you realizing. He, he forces the offering on you. Those who don't worship God this whole weekend, this whole yesterday, they, they were celebrating Christmas. They, they, are, they, they bring their offerings in a different way. They were keeping their goats and sheep and whatever, but they were, they were not giving them for God. They were doing it not for the glory of God, but for their own glory. And so who gets the glory if they are not giving it to God? The enemy. They celebrate by going to the pub, by having parties. Do you know what is involved in a party? A lot of money. The Bible says money answers all things. There is no way you can have a family dinner or a family party or got you, got you, whatever it is you are having as a celebration for Christmas without spending some money. In other words, there is no way you can do that without an offering. Some people can say, ah, I went to the party, it was for, I had free food. Uh-uh, nothing is free. You paid somehow. You went there. The effort for even if you walked on foot, you paid. 
That's how you pay it by paying the green if you then go there and you say, Ah, I didn't pay anything, I bought the food for free. But no, you didn't get it for free. The person, the food you are eating was paid for by somebody. So it was not free. <laughs> the dance you are having, the DJ was paid, was paid by somebody. So the dancing you are doing was not free. <laughs> People offer. There is no way you can worship those are who are in the world. Some are openly satanists. They actually tell you they want to be the devil. So whatever they do, they have their party, they have their congregation, they have got their things, they have got their meetings, and there's a lot of offerings that go on there. But funny enough, when that person now comes to God, the same person, in fact, you realize, because he's a thief, you, the people who are not worshiping God, they actually offer to the devil more more than they offer to God. They actually offer to the devil more than God asks. If only they would be wise enough, they would realize. Because a person who does not know God will spend more money at the weekend than the one who does who goes who knows God. They go into a taxi, and the taxi driver knows that this guy is drunk. It goes round and round and round, and that was supposed to cost you five pounds. You know, he, he, he charges you 10 pounds or 15 pounds, but because you only have a 20 pound note in your pocket, you say, Keep change. You are drunk. Funny enough, people would grieve more when they are drunk. <laughs> That's why the Bible says, Okay, because people give more when they are drunk. So be you drunk with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Oh my God. I love this one. So to confirm that, go on to Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gift, gold, and frankincense and man. There you go. These are the so-called wise men. They are wise because they knew how to worship God and the modus operandi of worshiping their God. They told the king that we have come to worship him. We are looking for him. Where is he born? Where is this? This guy is leading us. Where is he? Then he says, okay, we are come. We have come to worship him. As I already explained to you and shared with you, uh, what they say in, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. They told you their mission. And then I told you in verse 8, we are told what Herod was saying. He knew that this man, this man on a mission was supposed to be worshipped. And so now, in verse, they have arrived now. It's one thing to say something and quite another to do what you said you're going to do. These guys, they told you in verse 2 that they have come to worship him. Now they have arrived. Hey, let's see if they are going to do exactly what they say they are going to do. When you go to church, when you arrive in the service, do you do exactly what you meant to do in the service? Or do you get do you allow other things to distract you? You you end up leaving the service, going to the service and wondering, was I did I really worship God? Did I do 
something, something. Ah, you, you, you concentrate on something that happened during the service or something that was said by someone during the service, and that is enough to distract you from worshiping him. I say that by God's grace, never allow God, because the enemy has got so many tactics that he used to try and cause your mind to lose your concentration on the subject of worship. May God help us. He can cause someone in the service to say something that just sidetracks you all. Don't allow that to happen. Always know why you are there. You are there to worship him. Don't let anything that somebody else says or does remove you from the subject why you are there, the reason why you are there. Continue to worship him. You are there to worship him. Continue to do what you did, what you said. When you left your house, you said, I'm going to worship him. You rabakatia. This day, because of COVID, you left your bedroom, whatever, you normally sleep or whatever. You left everything that you were going to come online so that this is the kind of church you are having now. You left everything so that we can worship together. So, that is your purpose. That is your reason. Concentrate on him and worship him. The singer said, so forget about yourself. Concentrate on him and worship him. The enemy has got so many tricks in his books to try and divert you, even during the service. Trust me. And most of you know what I'm saying. You know this is true. I, I never preach untruths. I preach practical truths that happen. It doesn't just happen in my back, it happens in every church to every individual. That's why it makes sense to say, it makes no sense to say, I'm leaving this church, I'm going to another church. You find the same tactics there. It's the same devil. <laughs> so, when you say, I'm going to move away and I'm going, no, 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 it's not the answer. It's you that must change, it's your attitude that must change. Because your circumstances should not change your attitude towards God. Hallelujah. So we see that they set a purpose on themselves to go and worship him. Did they do what they said they were going to do? And verse uh, confirms that. We see that in verse 11. Matthew chapter 2 confirms what they said they were going to do in verse 2. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child unto us a child is born, Isaiah chapter 9. So they saw that with Mary's mother. And then what did they do? They fell down. What is that? I already told you that when you are worshiping, you can go on your knees, you can go on your bed, you can do whatever. That is worshiping, ladies and gentlemen. And they worshiped. They fell down. They were not waiting for the MC or service to tell them, now let us go before the Lord. So now that it's now that it's course it's guidance, it's good. But if you are talking to people who know why why they are who know what they are about, it's not a difficult exercise. When the service leader says, Now let us do this, it, it's it just we couldn't wait to worship. They did not wait. We don't hear the Bible saying, then another angel came and told them to kneel down. And another angel came and told them to worship. And another angel came and told them to give their offerings. I don't know if your Bible says that, but mine doesn't. They knew. They were wise enough. That's why they were called wise. They worshipped him. And then there's a colon. And say, when they had opened their treasures, hey, that's offering now. They know that this is the one. When you worship God, they knew the scripture. They know the law. You cannot go before the Lord empty. They don't need to be told. They don't need to be persuaded. 
the problem with us, like I keep saying, is because we were introduced to this thing when we were old. That of course, we boys and girls, and we had all kinds of things. We knew what to give, but we knew we knew how to give, but we did not know who to give. We would give a lot to your friends and to the enemy and to the devil in many, many ways in the name of fun. But when it comes to giving God, fun enough, the same person who was who had no problem giving and handing out gifts and whatever, money, whatever, they were in the world. But when they come to the church, that issue becomes a problem. You know why? The same devil is now pursuing them when they are in the church because he knows now that he was stealing from you and when someone steals from you, there's no benefit. But now we know that the giving that you do in the church is associated with the blessing. And he doesn't want you to do that again. Hi, 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 hi. This devil is so bad. He pursues you even when you come to church now. He says, you were giving to me, but I, I was, actually I was stealing from me. I, I want to continue enjoying stealing from you. Because the, the thing that the unbelievers give, the giving that they do is even more than the, it actually does not benefit them at all. They just have fun. But at the end of the day, their so-called fun results in a lot of regret. They're drinking, but they wake up with a hangover. And what does, how does the answer to the hangover? Go and drink some more. So the, it remains a circle of giving and giving and giving to the enemy which, with no associated blessing. But when you give to the Lord, hallelujah, whatever you give, and let the people of God and the children of God and the family of God understand this, whatever you give unto the Lord, when he says, do not appear before me empty-handed, we know that everything that you have, that you are giving back to him anyway, it's only a very small proportion of what he gives you. In any case, everything that you have, everything that you are, is from him anyway. So why is he asking you to give? I told you before that God cannot ask you to do what he, what he isn't. He cannot ask you to do what he's not done. So he has already given himself to you. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. He has already given to you, and to us a child is given. <laughs> so he cannot ask you to give when he hasn't done that himself. He cannot ask you to give a small portion when he's not given even a big portion. Hallelujah, somebody. So he says this is a second a crucial aspect of worship. Because I give you everything myself. I give you the job that you are posting about. I give you the position that you are talking about, the promotion that you are, the house that you have, whatever you have, everything you are posting about, the car, I'm the one who gave it to you, even life itself. If I want to, I can take it from you today and you can leave that house and that car and everything. But he's, he's a giver, full stop. Everything about God is given. But when he says give to me, he doesn't ask you to give everything of him. He says, just give me a portion. Why is he doing that? He's teaching you to be just a little part of who he is and what he is. Hallelujah, somebody. But we Gentiles, we struggle with this problem, with this issue. Why? <laughs> because my parents, they never taught me about giving when I was born. But look at the family of the Jewish people. From the day the child is born, and from toddler, they know that they cannot go before the Lord empty-handed. So therefore, when they are five years old, they don't need conversion. They don't need to be converted. <laughs> they don't need to be converted. Converted from what? 
But you and I, we need to be converted because we have been into something else. Hey, 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 hey. We need to be converted because we are used to be given to the enemy. So we have to be converted back to the Lord so we can learn again to give back to Him. My goodness. <laughs> Hallelujah. So God is God in His love. So these people, they, they fell down and they began to worship Him. They began to worship Him. And the Bible says then, they opened their treasures. There was no service leader, no MC to say, let's do this. No, no one told them or no one sang a song for them. You want to, you want a song to be sung, you want to feel spiritual, you want to begin to have the promissory and the little a bit of tears and the little bit of mucus coming out of your mouth, then you feel spiritual enough to give. <laughs> they didn't need that. They know their God. They just opened their treasure. You do the same thing, or you when it comes to this area, you start cringing again. Is some people say, Oh, there we go again. But when you're giving in the world, no one ever said, oh, There we go again, because you thought you are just, just doing fun, you're having fun. This is how the enemy tricks people. Are we just having fun? Let us go for away for the weekend. We're just having fun. Let us do this. They plan all kinds of things, but everything they are planning involves cash money. Tell me if I'm wrong. But to them, the, the enemy blocks them from saying, actually, you are giving to me. Actually, you are making offerings to me. The glory that is associated with offerings that unbelievers give, do, is gone and is ascribed to the enemy. My goodness. I can never want my offering to give glory to the enemy. And so you need to know that every time you place an offering, what are you doing? You are putting a smile on your God. When you put an offering in his church, whatever type, whatever nature, whatever you call and they, do you know that we Christians, we don't even know the length and the breadth of offerings. Go and ask the Jewish people. There are so many offerings in scripture that Christians don't do at all. Yet they struggle with just one little offering, just, uh, just free offering in the church is a struggle. Tithes is a struggle. First fruits is a struggle. But if you look at the Jewish table of offering, it has got so many things. Go and do the research, and I know that my son, the commissioner, has done it. You will be shocked. But do you ever see a, a poor Jewish person? Tell me. God is a servant of his word. So because of this giving, the Jewish people know that they cannot give God who they don't see. But what they do is they, the servant of God, the rabbi in their lives, is a representation or a representative of God. That's why you tend to find that a lot of people during this time, they give presents and gifts to their family and loved ones, that's okay. But you find that also this is a time that servants of God get a lot of gifts. Why? Because people believe this, have this and understanding, which is not wrong, that the servant of God in their lives is a representation of the God who they serve. So they cannot give God cash because he cannot use it. He's not man. 
So they give to God through the servant of God. Uh, that's why churches organize Christmas presents for God, for, for the servants of God. They are saying we are giving our Christmas present to Yeshua HaMashiach through his servant. They understand that scripture that way. They understand it that way. And in any case, if you don't want to give that way, you still give, but you end up giving glory to somebody else. But when you give an offering in the church, whatever you call it, however you package it, at the end of the day, it is God, Yeshua Hamashat himself, looking over your giving. He's looking over your offering. Whether you say, I'm putting an offering towards a mission, he's looking over it and he's putting, you put a smile on his face. When you say, I'm putting an offering towards this, that, and the other, whatever it is, any offering you give before God, however you package it, whatever name you call it is not important. But there are certain things that are ascribed by law. By law, in the word of God, when God says, you have to make this offering, and that offering, and that offering, and that offering, those offerings that are particularly mentioned in the scripture, any child of God should know their God and know that they should not go nearer. They should not struggle. They should not say, oh, there we go again. There we go again. No, never ever allow yourself, your mind, your thought to think like that. Because the enemy, I know what I'm saying. The enemy tries to bring this kind of thoughts into the minds of people. Why? Because he's saying, ah, what you are giving to God, I would rather have it. I would rather have it. You know, remember, the reason why he, he is Satan, the reason, and this is you sitting in the pistol again. Oh my goodness, the epistle this year is loaded. I've, it's like it's like an epistle I've never written before. Because the enemy is saying he's jealous, he's always jealous. The reason why he rebelled from God is jealous. He saw God sitting on the throne. He wants what God has. So the offering that people of God are making to the to God, he wants that himself. That's why when you're in the church, you struggle to give. You struggle to do the offering. Because say, uh -uh, I would rather you give it to me. Ay, 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 ay. Are you hearing me, fellow Amen. But when you scream and you say, no, 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 no. I'm not going to listen to you, the devil. I'm not going to do what you're saying. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to do what is biblical and scriptural. And anything that is biblical and scriptural is also supported by what I call biblical precedent. It's not just a scripture. You can go back to scriptures. That's why, and check if it actually did happen. And it is biblical precedent. It is scriptural and biblical that God, from time immemorial, from Genesis to Revelation, has always sent his servants to represent him. He has always done that. It's the same God. He will always be. From Genesis to Revelation, he has always sent a man or a human being to represent himself through him, through this person, to his people. So when people honor the man of God or the woman of God, whatever person they need, it's not worship. The human being who is the man of God or the woman of God will never be God. Trust me. Will never, can never even, not even cross. It is a strange human being who can tell the, you that, that is, they are the ones to be worshipped. The man of God or the woman of God is the representation or representative of God to the people. And the people know that there is a bridge to God. Like I told you, it's a symbiotic relationship. That's why it's important that the, you, you know what Moses was doing. He was pleading with God on behalf of Israel. 
Mm-hmm. Sometimes God is so angry with his children that you say, I'm going to destroy them. You know what Moses will do? Because he's the, he's the bridge between the people of God and their God. He's standing there in the middle. That's, a, that's where you have the friends coming, standing in the gap. That's where it comes from. There is a gap between man and God. And so God brought his son, Yeshua Hamashiach, to bridge that gap, and he then does it through his servants. So God speaks to his servants on behalf of his people, and the people of God go and speak to, to his people on behalf of God. Are you hearing me, people of God? Amen. So that's why it's important, according to the structure God set in the scriptures, that is the servant of God talks to his God or her God and then goes and talks to the people on behalf of their God. Then the people will release their message also to the servant of God, to God through the servant of God. And so everyone needs everyone else. So while the servant of God is praying for the people, like he was pleading with God, with his, with God, to, so, so that he could not destroy them, the people have a duty and a mandate to pray for the servant of God. That's why Paul said, "Pray for me also." It's important. It's a symbiotic relationship. Like I said, the servant of God is praying for you. You are praying for him. The servant of God is praying for you. You are praying for him. If the servant of God in your life is a woman. That's what it is. That's the way God ordered things. It doesn't mean that you yourself cannot pray. You can pray. That's why I, 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 I every year God gives us the epistle. I send it to you so that you can pray from day to day. Man, you can, even the disciples, they say to Jesus, Yeshua Mashiach, teach us how to pray. He had to teach them to pray because it's important for them to pray. He went into Gethsemane and he cried and cried. He took the disciples with him. He was teaching them the practicality of prayer. As he prays, you pray. As the servant of God prays, you pray. As you pray, the servant of God prays. It's a symbiotic relationship. Hallelujah. You need to accept that the servants of God in your life, they are not God. They are only God's message or God's representation on earth. Otherwise, if you don't want to accept that, you can create a little altar in your own house. A little altar in your own house and every morning or every time you want, just, just go there and kneel down and then you have, you know, remember God said, you cannot come before me empty-handed. You have to then bring your offering there and put it there. And you do that and because you don't want to give it a human thing, right? Just create an altar in your house and do it. Put your offerings every day and you see they will pile and pile and pile. If you want to kill a goat or a cow or sheep, just kill it and leave it there. It will rot and your house will smell. <laughs> because that's not the plan of God. God says, bring that cow. He told the children of God, the children of Israel, when you have ten cows, take one to my servant. When you give that one, that's called a tithe. When you give that one cow to my servant or one sheep to my servant, you, you are giving that to me through him. It's a tithe. And those who know their God, they do that. Like I said, the Jewish are wise. When they go before the Lord, they worship their God without being told. Here we see the Jewish wise people. They, as they worship God, the Bible says they opened their treasures. Hallelujah. It pays in the end to give God in the beginning. Mark that as a nugget. It pays in the end to give God in the beginning. 
Like I said before, when you look at the structure of the tabernacle in the temple, the first things that are there, as soon as you enter the temple, even to this day, go to the, cell, the, the temple there in Jerusalem. You, are you, you, we are immediately, the open, the doors are open. The first thing that you, that faces you in the outer court is the, the table of offering. Do not come before me empty headed. You know what? Even the traditional healers, when they go to Nganga or whatever, to Sangoma, even, see, the Sangoma are taking the place of God. Do you know? Is there anyone who can go to Sangoma empty handed? <laughs> they have to find a goat or a cow. You always say, bring something. What are they doing? They are taking the place of God. Because God has commanded that they, they are worshipping their own things, those people. So they go to Enanga or to Sangoma. But trust me, no one goes to Enanga or to Sangoma empty handed. But look at that person who was going to a Sangoma with, they don't mind giving goats and sheep. I will tell you of a story of a Sangoma that I led to Christ in Swaziland. I'll tell that story one day. It's another story. But when I began to speak to this man, the people, the amount of things that he was getting, he lives, this man lives in Swaziland. But there were people coming from Mozambique, from South Africa, from Zimbabwe, from Malawi, from Uganda, from all over to come to him. And they would bring cars, they would bring all kinds of gifts in addition to, the, to him charging them for what he would do. You know what I'm saying? But the same person, when they come to the Lord, offering it becomes an issue for them. Isn't that strange? Don't you see the pattern of the enemy here? All he's saying is, I'm jealous. What you are now giving, you are now support, you were supposed to give to me. He's a jealous God. He's a jealous, he's a jealous devil. He always wants to get what God is supposed to get. That's why also God himself says, no, once you become his, he also has got me on jealousy, but he's jealous not to kill you. He says, once you become mine, I don't want you to end up giving glory that's supposed to go to come to me. You end up giving it to Satan, my enemy. So give the glory to me, because all glory and honor belong to him, ladies and gentlemen. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. God shares with mankind a lot of things except his glory. Hallelujah. God shares a lot of things with his people except his glory. So he raised us so that we can worship. Look at another story. Okay. <laughs> These people knew how to worship. They opened their treasures. They were not told. So when you are before the Lord, ladies and gentlemen, just before you get to the church, you must save it in your mind. So when the Bible says that these wise men opened their treasures, do you think they thought about it when they had arrived? Obviously not. They planned it before. They planned it as they went on their camels or whatever means of transport they used. They planned it when they were still in their homes. The same thing with you. Because you know your God. You don't need to wait for the service speaker or MC or service leader or whatever to then open some scriptures and convince you and convince you. No, 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 no. No, no Jewish person needs to be convinced by scripture because they've already been convicted in their hearts. The reason why you struggle is because we have to be converted, my God. 
I wish I was born Jewish. I did not need conversion. But I thank God after being converted, I know the word. I know scripture. I don't need to be persuaded to worship God. No one tells me, Masoja, you must go to church now. Masoja, even while I'm sharing with you, I, I didn't have anyone calling me to say, Zahuria, Masoja, you might not go to church. I just do it because I know that's my portion. The Lord is my portion in the land of the living. The Lord is good forevermore. The Lord is my portion in the land of the living. The Lord is good forevermore. On the mountain, in the valley, on the land, and in the sea. On the mountain, in the valley, on the land, and in the sea. Hallelujah. The Lord is my portion in the land of the living. The Lord is good forevermore. You know the song. That's my attitude. I don't need nobody to persuade me about the things of God because I know my God. Hallelujah. May you have the same attitude this Christmas. May you have the same approach to worshiping Him. Because you know what? If you don't have a approach to worship him, God did everything. Let me tell you this, as I conclude. Everything that God made, every creature that was made by God, he has got, he has got this aspect of worship in it. God wants everything and everything that he created to worship him, including stones. Jesus, Yeshua, Amashiach himself saying, if you, do, if you don't rise up to worship him, God can raise his stones to worship him. Do you know that? Animals, they worship too. Creatures. Nature worships God. If you are not careful, people of God who, who, who have got his spirit in you, he doesn't have his spirit in a tree or in a fish, but he's got a spirit in you. But if you are not careful, these creatures, the waves and the seas and the trees can worship God better than you. If you are not careful. If you want, you can, I can just give you a, one example. Can you read for us, please, Psalm 98, verses 1 to 8. There are so many other scriptures, but for the sake of time, I'll just give you that one. So you can see that it's not just human beings. Everything and anything that God created is meant to worship him. Mission statement in number two, or B. Psalm 98, from verse 1 to 8. All sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation. His righteousness hath he openly shown in the sight of the heathen. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the voice of the sound. With trumpets and sound of cornets, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof the world and they that dwell therein. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together. Can you listen to that? It starts by addressing you. <laughs> Worship. 
He created for you were meant to worship him. Men on a mission is the subject today. This Yeshua, this child, who, who, who the prophet of God says, unto us a child is born. Emmanuel has come. He's a man on a mission. Because he put his spirit in you. He starts with you first. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. For he has done marvelous things. I told you, that's why he's called wonderful. His right hand and his holy arm has gotten him the victory. And he's guaranteeing you that no matter what you go through, his right arm, his right hand will give you victory. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Lord has made him know, has made men his salvation. That is what we're just talking about. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Unto us a child is born. Emmanuel, the Lord with us. Hallelujah. All the scriptures, the verses that are described in Matthew chapter 2 and Luke, when they were describing the mission uh, of the Lord Yeshua Hamashiach, you find it in the scripture. Hallelujah. It's all written there. When you look at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 35, you can do, look at it at home. When you look at Matthew chapter 1, from verse 18 to 23, this is the time when he was born. And the mission is explained in the scripture. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 35, I repeat, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 23. And also, Matthew chapter, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. All these scriptures, whenever they talk about him, they tell you what his mission was. When you find the story in the book of Matthew, they actually tell you, uh, even in the book of Luke, they actually tell you about, about John. How John the Baptist was born. He was supposed to be the forerunner. And he had to carry a similar message. He had to have a similar function. He had to have a similar mission. If you read what the mission of, 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 of John was, he was supposed to train his people, people to, to, break, to come back to Israel. That was his mission. Hallelujah. May we worship him. So, he then says, you sing a song. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All the earth, make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. You see, it says all the earth. That, uh, that, uh, you know, that's you people. Everything that is in the earth, including the birds and the seas, make a joyful noise. You make it your own way. You just don't know how the horses and the donkeys and the baboons and the hyenas do it. <laughs> you hear them making the they are praising God. First, <laughs> the Lord has made known his righteousness, his, his salvation, his righteousness has he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. Dian, who does not know God, who does not know the plan of salvation, who can say, I don't know? Who can not? Like I tell you yesterday, everyone is celebrating Christmas, whether they are Christians or not. Hallelujah. He has remembered his mercy, verse 3, and his truth towards the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Salvation is central. Salvation is personal. Everyone has seen it. It's up to you to take it or leave it. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, he says in verse 4. Sing unto the Lord with a harp, that's a human being now, with their harp and the voice of a sound. That's to you, my brother. That's to you, my sister. With a trumpet and the sound of comet, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King, our King. Hallelujah. 
now here. Let the sea roar. You didn't know. So, so you think it's only the lion which roars. The sea roars. And those who live by the sea, you know it. They say, oh, waves and thunder, whatever it is. The sea is doing what it was asked to do. It is worshipping God. It is roaring. You call it a storm, but yet the sea is busy worshipping God. <laughs> the sea is raising its arm when you see the wave. It's raising its arm. And the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell in it, let them roar. Let the floods clap their hands. You know that floods of hands. <laughs> we don't like floods. They destroy our homes and whatever. But it's um, God has just raised the water so that they can just clap their hands. Clapping their hands. And if you if you somebody's worshipping their God and is standing their way, you are in trouble. <laughs> Anything that is in the way of the waters, what they are worshipping, nothing else is more important to them but the worship of God. If you happen to build your house in their way, I am sorry. <laughs> you have to rebuild it. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together. You may just pass by and drive by and you just enjoy the beauty of the hills. You don't know that they are busy singing. They are busy joyful. They are busy praising. They are busy worshipping the Lord their God. You don't know. You have no idea what's happening in the mountains and the hills. I could go on and on and on. I trust that the church of God is heard. This is Christmas. This is a Christmas time. Christmas message. Men on a mission, our Lord and our Savior. You find it the same message even in the carols that we sing. You all know all the carols. I want you to think to think about the carols that you know. As you go home today, if you haven't done that already, I want you to do a homework and just list down all the carols that you know and begin to consider the words that are in the carol. These people who so who wrote the carols, they were written many, many years ago. Do you know why you don't get new carols? <laughs> It's because the people who, it's like Bible times. Those were inspired by God to write things. So I told you, I need to, I need, God has just reminded me of this point. I must point out to the church that the enemy is jealous. Everything that the church does focused on God. He wants it focused on him. I said that before. And he's brought to me back a message, a point that I not mentioned. He gave it to me this morning. He just reminded me now. The Holy Spirit just nudged me to say, ah, don't forget this. When I told you that anything, the enemy is jealous. He wants the worship that is supposed to go to God. He wants it to go to him. So he creates and he uses tactics to try and push people away from the worship of God to worship of something else that's not God. So like I said, in the villages of Africa and other places and other dwellers, and funny, funny enough, it's funny how the underdeveloped world, they always have their own gods that they worship. Either animals or cattle, I mean, or, or uh, creatures or, or idols that they've created or anything like that. They celebrate those even at Christmas time. Then the so-called developed world, they said, okay, the enemy is smart. So they say, okay, instead of concentrating on Christ at Christmas time, instead of concentrating on Yeshua, how much you at Christmas time, the enemy brought Santa. It's the minds of young people, you know what I'm saying. Every young talk to people about Christ, I mean about Christmas. The thing that automatically comes to your mind is Santa. In other words, it's the strategy of the devil to divert the attention of people from the God who made them. 
to something else which is not God. So that the glory of Christmas goes to something else that is not God. And they are smart, they just, instead of saying Satan, they just put the, 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 the figures, the, the, the letters, to confuse you. If you rewrite the word Santa, you will see that it is Satan. But people don't realize that. The enemy is smart. So what I'm saying is, you know the practical point, whether some people still believe that is, you, know, you hear people talking about, do you believe in Santa? I was watching films in the news the other day. People, journalists were interviewing children, do you believe in Santa? And they were celebrating. Every child will be asking their parent, when is Santa coming? Is Santa brought my gift? They are not talking about Christ. They are not talking about the person who is the reason for the season. Their, their parents are not talking, telling them about Yeshua Amashiach. They only then go and see a grotto somewhere in the church or a grotto somewhere in the in the in the in the in the in the, in the, in the shopping mall. They are just amazed. They look at it, but the thing that, that draws much of their attention is Santa. You know, I'm right. Correct me if I'm wrong. The children are more excited playing with Santa than being in the grotto where the story of Jesus Christ is, is, is raised. They just look at it, take pictures and marvel, but they are looking for Santa. Mm -hmm. They want to take pictures. They want to, to they, they want to show on the Instagram and on Facebook, on their on their on Twitter or on their status to show that they were with Santa. The enemy is slowly diverting the mind of the people of God during this time. So that instead of the glory and the honor, this is a very deep point, instead of the worship going towards the almighty God, the creator, the enemy has created something else that becomes the subject of worship. That becomes the center of attention. It's the strategy of the devil to make sure that people have got another center of attention which is not God. Because he wants the center of attention on himself. By his nature from the day he rose against the almighty God and was sitting on the throne. He wants the attention. He wants everything that God has got. So he he does every little trick in his mind, in his book, to try and make sure men's attention is diverted from God to himself. Anything he can do to divert your attention from worshiping God, he will do. Anything. As long as you are not paying attention to God, he doesn't care what else you are paying attention to. He doesn't care if you are just going to, to say we are going for Christmas, but you are going for a party. We are going on a holiday. We are going to do this. He doesn't care. Do that. As long as whatever you are doing is not centered on Christ or Yeshua Hamashem, he doesn't want that. He wants all the attention. The attention that you are supposed to give to God, he wants it to himself. The glory that you are supposed to give to God, he wants it to himself. That's the summary. And ladies and gentlemen, we are wise, so we cannot allow that to happen. So they sing, Mary's boy child, Jesus Christ. I sang that song to yesterday. Was born on Christmas. Some even sing the carols. It's like a habit. We're just going to be going to here and then sing the carols. And that's it. Then they go, they, after singing the carols for five minutes, they go and spend the whole day with Santa. <laughs> but we are going to concentrate on our God. He was born on Christmas Day. And they say, hark now here, the angels sing, new king born today, and then we'll live forevermore. 
because of Christmas. Yes, it's life. Life is in Christmas. Life is in, is in this child. Unto us, a child is born. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. The, 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 the person who wrote this particular carol uh, said, let earth receive a king. Let earth receive a king, the writer said. Which means everything, everything that has breath, the Bible says also, let everything that has breath praise the Lord in the book of Psalms. When he thought, when he says everything that has breath, you think he's just talking about human beings, including rats and cockroaches and mice and snakes and everything. You didn't know that floods have hands. You didn't know that they clap. You didn't know that trees. When you see it's the wind moving. They're just busy clapping their hands, worshiping God. Let it receive a king. Let every heart prepare him room. Listen to that. Let your heart open. That's why we ended up yesterday with the service. In the service. Saying, let him be born in your heart. Let the prepare him room in your heart. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and ay, 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 ay. He didn't know. It's scriptural. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. I just shared the scriptures with you. Heaven and nature will sing. The floods will clap. The hills, the roar, the, the sea will roar. Everything. Heaven and nature are singing. The deer, the, 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 the sheep, the ghost, the cows, they are worshiping, they are singing. Someone saying, Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumph. You know that song, Oh, come, all ye faithful. I could go on and on. I want you to think of all those Christmas carols you have. There are many, but just the ones, your favorite ones. As we uh, wrap up the, the Christmas season, because this is the end, the second day of the Christmas season. From tomorrow, people are focused on something else in New Year. <laughs> but when you focus on the New Year, remember, the focus should always be on your Creator. It goes like the silent now, holy now. All is calm and all is bright round your virgin mother and child. All in tender and mild, sleep in heavenly sleep. Silent night. That means he is there. He was very so that you can worship him. All is calm. Hallelujah. And all is bright. The virgin mother and child. This holy infant unto us a child is born. So tender and so mild. Not only is he sleeping in that manger in heavenly peace, he also wants you as his child to sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace.
For the psalmist says, when he goes to bed, I now both lie in bed and sleep. For thou, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Hallelujah, somebody. Rise up with me and say, Sleep in heaven. Sleep in heaven. The man on a mission. Raise so you can worship. Silence now. All is all is found and all right round your bed and child. All the Receive the peace of God, ladies and gentlemen, this goodness. That child who was born, and who asked that child is born. Know why you worship him. Know that you are raised to worship him. And know how you should worship him. I've given you a few hints, basic, that are basic in this mission statement. You were raised for salvation. He was, he came into this world so that you could become part of the covenant. You become a child of God. You become a child of promise. That's point number one of his mission. Number two, associated with us, connected to this, because they are they are interdependent. They one cannot exist without the other. When you accept him as your Lord and your Savior, you become a child of God. The next thing immediately that he requires of you is to worship him. And you cannot worship him empty-handed. No worship is associated with emptiness. Funny enough, like I've told you in the teaching today, you realize that even those who do not worship God, even those who say they don't worship God at all. They still do go before whoever, whatever they worship, they go and they don't go empty-handed. No. This thing called worship does not accept anyone who comes without something. But the only difference is, do you give the glory to God or do you want your worship to go to the other guy? I choose that whatever I do, whatever offering I give in the house of God, it has to give glory to the Almighty God. Lord, help me that no, I, at no time do I give an offering that places a smile, a huge smile on the enemy's face. He came as a wonderful counselor, the Prince of Peace. Sleep in heaven, peace. Sleep in heaven, why? Because he is the Prince of Peace. Receive his peace right now. The world is turbulent with COVID and wars and rumors of wars and violence and everything that is not peaceful. It's easy for us to be drawn into all this chaos and violence. But you have inside of you around you, with you, always. This man on a mission to give you peace. 
That's why when God gave the instruction to Moses, and from Moses through to Aaron, in the book of Numbers, chapter 6, which we do all the time, the last part of the blessing is peace. It wraps up everything. Peace. May you receive his peace this Christmas. Sleep in heavenly peace during the day. Peace during the night. Peace when you are at work. Peace when you are at home. There are so many things that are coming to antagonize to become against you receiving peace. I know that. And you know that. Many things, anything that God has got planned for you, the enemy has got the opposite. Instead of you receiving peace, you are tormented in your spirit. You talk of stress every day. He has stress, he has stress there because he doesn't want you to have what God is offering you, peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. Receive his peace, ladies and gentlemen. Peace this Christmas. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive your king. As you have received him yesterday. As you receive him, make sure that he is in you, on you, and with you all the time. As long as you are like that, you should enjoy his peace. Try by God's grace and by all means to make sure that what is happening around you does not influence your character and your attitude towards him who is supposed to be worshipped by you. May God help us. Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. That's why when he rose from the dead, the first words that were on his mouth to the disciples was, peace be with you. And so I'm saying the same thing to you this Christmas. Peace be with you. Many things have happened around you to lose your peace and your joy. People have said this and that and the other thing. Things have been done left, right and center. The whole strategy of the enemy for you is for you to lose your peace. But sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. Receive his peace this Christmas. Receive his peace this Boxing Day. As you determine to worship him the best way you know how. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for the time you have given me and allowed me to share your word with your people, oh God. This is the only part of scripture. Help us, oh Father God, to grow and become better, better worshippers, better praisers, better people who worship you with knowledge and understanding, who do not have an attitude that contradicts the things of God. Father, I pray that with this understanding, you help us to know that whatever we do, 
there is an enemy out there who wants to get it there. What I'm supposed to give to God, he would rather I give it him. The glory that must go, must go to God, he would rather have that glory. This enemy, Satan, he wants to have everything that God has. He wants everything that I'm supposed to give to God. He wants me to give it him. But Father, I pray that as your people hear this message, they will understand that that you raised and raised and created every one of us only for one purpose and reason, that we may worship you, that they may worship you, that I may worship you, and worship you is what I shall do day and night. And I benefit from your peace. These are benefits of worshiping him. Your peace, your joy, your blessing, healing, signs and wonders in my life. These are the benefits of worship. But so many times we want the benefits of worship without worshiping the right way. Lord, I pray that as I receive the benefits of Psalm 103 and all the scriptures that talk about the good things, peace, joy, love, blessing, and everything else, healing, all these are benefits of worshiping him so that I can sleep in heavenly peace. Let your people receive this peace from above. You say in your word in John chapter, chapter 14, peace I give unto you, not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. I pray that your children this Christmas, going into 2022, will receive and experience and enjoy the peace that passes all understanding. Hallelujah. So that every day when they go to bed, they will sleep in heavenly peace. They will sleep in heavenly peace. That you be with your people and your children day by day. Father God, I pray that whatever is troubling their hearts, whatever burdens they have on their hearts, oh God, you say, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Because you want your people to have peace. Erika, how so much the enemy wants people to have trouble. How so much the enemy wants to have a hot head. Everything going the How so much the enemy wants people to scratch their heads with pain and But oh God, you want your children to have peace that passes all understanding. I pray that your children will receive peace this day. As we worship you, Almighty Father. Teach us how to worship you. You have taught us through this message and help us to put it into practice. Help us to implement it, almighty God. And help us every day to resist the devil so that he will flee from us. Because you continue to come to our minds. Anything that has got to do with the things of God, the enemy has got a contrary message. Help us, oh Father, that we will never honor the contrary message from the enemy that he brings to our mind or our spirit, whichever way it comes. Lord, I pray for your church. I pray for your people that you love so much. That you can to protect everyone from COVID-19 and all its variants and all these sickness that are out there. You can to protect your children, oh my Father, that you can to have the joy. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. The joy of the Lord becomes their strength. The peace that passes all understanding, they can graduate in that and it becomes a part of their lives day by day. In the mighty name of the Lord, Yeshua Hamashiach, I pray for your people that they appropriate this peace because Yeshua Hamashiach, you are Ridabaga. You don't just give us peace, you are the Prince of Peace. Thank you, Father. 
as I bless your people and your children this day and your church. In the name of God the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. In the mighty name of the Lord Yeshua Hamashiach, I have prayed. And everybody in agreement says, Amen, Amen, Amen and Amen. And I pray that Agape for all nations, ministries international, hashtag the real Agape, let us be one indeed, in reality. I know they carry, you know, they today. everything that the enemy does to try and break, to, co to contradict this song you sing at the end of every service. We are family, we are one. From this moment, even during the service, after the service, you try to do things and cause you to think of things that will cause you this thing to say we are family, we are one, so that it becomes second and it's on shaky ground. But we are family. We are one. Let everyone, in whatever way you think, you put this at the center of your thinking. Anything that that causes this oneness to, to be shaken. Don't contribute to it. Make sure that you are not a contributor. Make sure that the enemy doesn't use you to contribute to the shakenness of the oneness. We are family. We are one. We should speak as such. We should behave as such. We should think as such. Before you open your mouth, say something. Ask yourself, how is this going to affect the family? How is it going to affect my brothers and my sisters? If you think somebody's not going to like it, then keep it yourself. We are family. We are one. May God bless us that we remain one. God bless you, people of God. This is your, your, the servant of God in your life by his grace, Apostle Chokombishi signing off and I commend this message to the Church of God. Mm -hmm. God bless.